into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you michael spiegel spiegel man manana. i might have gone to a wrong court there Okay. Let us watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Michael's Spiegel. of the rich I don't like bureaucrats telling me what to eat I don't like police dogs sniffing round my feet I don't like communist censorship of my books I don't like Marxists complaining about my looks I don't like Castro insulting members of my sex Leftists insisting we got the mystic fix I don't like capitalists selling me gasoline coke Multinationals burning Amazon trees to smoke Big corporation take over media mind I don't like the top bananas that are robbing Guatemala banks blind. I don't like the KGB, Gulag concentration camps. I don't like the Maoist Cambodian death dance. Fifteen million were killed by Stalin, the terrorist war. He has killed our red revolution forevermore. Like anarchists screaming, love is free. I don't like the CIA, they killed John Kennedy. Paranoia tanks sit in Prague and Hungary. But I don't like how the revolution paid for by the CIA. Tyranny in Turkey or Korea, 1980. Like right-wing death squad democracy Please state 
Iran, Nicaragua yesterday. They say fair please, government keep the secret police off of me. No hope communism, no hope capitalism, yeah. Everybody's lying on both sides, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bloody iron curtain of American military power. A mirror image of Russia's red babble tower. Jesus Christ was spotless but was crucified by the mob. Law and order, Herod's hired soldiers did the job. Flower power's fine but innocence has got no protection. A man who shot John Lennon had a hero worshippers connection. The song is that the world is in a horrible place Scientific industry devours the human race Police in every country armed with tear gas and TV Secret masters everywhere bureaucratized for you and me Terrorists and police together build the lower class rage Propaganda, murder, manipulate the upper class stage. Can't tell the difference between a turkey and a provocateur. If you're feeling confused, the government's in there for sure. Aware, aware, wherever you are, no fear. Trust your heart, don't ride your paranoia, dear. Ordinary mind Under humor Feed and help enlighten Woe mankind
community I've called home for 30 years is a rural community that's known fire and flood. And it's mostly clustered around a bay. Now the bay used to run a little bit further south, but it's silted up pretty much in most of its pasture land. So running along the south side of it is a levee with a road on it. And on the south side of the levee road is the home of a family called Love. And every once in a while, the, the water tries to reclaim that part of the bay and runs over the levee and floods. And even though over the years, the Love family has put their house up on posts, sometimes they still have to jump on a rowboat and row away to dry terra firma. Regrettably also, the, the rising waters also seem to be a little bit too much like the rising costs of housing. Land and homes have gotten to a point where most people can't afford them. And unfortunately, I've had to watch uh, too many of my friends move away from the area because they couldn't afford to buy a home or rent anymore. So this is the Levy Road song. Oh, the water on the Levy Road, it rode. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. It rose so high it put a tear in my eye. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. Inch by inch, the water rises slow. Inch by inch, the water rises slow. Inch by inch it rises slow. Me and my family gotta pack up and go. The water on a levee road it rose. The water rose and then it came in waves. The water rose and then it came in waves. The water rose and then it came in waves. So much came that the levee gave. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rode. land the water rises like the price of land we cannot afford to rent or buy we gotta tell all our neighbors goodbye oh the water on the levee road it rose 
Water rose from below and the water fell from above. Water rose from below and water fell from above. Water rose from below, water fell from above. Could not drown out the house of love. Oh, the water on a levee road, it rose. The water rises like the price of land. The water rises like the price of land. We cannot afford to rent or buy. We're gonna have to tell our neighbors goodbye. Oh, the water on the levee road, it rose. And good morning. Hope you're where you want to be, listening to Labor and Love Radio, our Saturday morning. Labor News Magazine. Labor News, Labor History, Labor Commentary, Labor Opinion. You name it, by, for, and about working people. So we started out, it's been a couple of weeks. Last week we had a an archive show. Uh, we started out today with Allen Ginsberg, uh, probably the most famous American poet of the last, I don't know, 50 years, 100 years, something like that. Allen Ginsberg, toward the end of his life, singing rock and roll. I, I don't know. He did do some gigs with Tom Petty's band, but I don't know if that was it or not. That one's called Capital Air. <clears throat> and Allen goes through the things he didn't like, he doesn't like, which tends to be most, form, most forms of oppression all across the world. After that little Saturday wake-up music, some very hip and sophisticated jazz from Artie Shaw, Summit Ridge Drive. And third, Brother Charlie Morgan, the dear late lamented, singing his song about the rising floodwaters in Marin County and the rising housing prices which made it pretty difficult to, if you're a regular working person, made it pretty difficult to live in the West Marin. Okay, uh, what's what are we doing here? This is Labor and Love, and what we do here is we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, Someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, where you work, you're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your 
heart who is not a friend of labor. It's only a waste of time. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. And welcome. From time to time, we go over our credos here at Labor and Love Radio. We begin with Lawrence Ferlinghetti's Pity the Nation. Pity the nation whose people are sheep and whose shepherds mislead them. Pity the nation whose leaders are liars, whose sages are silenced, and whose bigots haunt the airwaves. Pity the nation that raises not its voice except to praise conquerors and acclaim the bully as hero and aims to rule the world by force and by torture. Pity the nation that knows no other language but its own and no other culture but its own. Pity the nation whose breath is money and sleeps the sleep of the too well-fed. Pity the nation, oh pity the people. Will the rights to erode and their freedoms to be washed away? My country, tears of thee, sweet land of liberty. Lawrence Ferlinghetti, all. Robert Reich, and every week we want to remind you of this. You reminder the richest 1% own half the stock market. The richest 10% own almost all of it, 92% of it. One-tenth of the people own 92% of the stock market. So when Trump brags about the stock market or you hear economists bragging about the stock market, they're not talking about the economy that 90% of us inhabit. So who cares what the Dow's doing, huh? I mean, who really cares? That 90% care. Let's see what else we got here. When the penalty for aborting after rape is more severe than the penalty for rape, that's when you know there's a war on women. That's when you know there's a war on women. <clears throat> Anti-immigration policy, right? Can I tell you a secret? I don't even care if there are undocumented immigrants in this country. Without social security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people trying to live a better life. This whole wall, deport the illegals, bullshit is just the 1% convincing the working poor to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact that we're all poor. They're all poor instead of realizing that the reason they're all poor is due to vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage stagnation. Please. Use your brains. Come on. People aren't poor because they're shiftless or because they can't hold jobs. 
They're poor because they're not getting paid enough. Hello? <sighs> Amazing. So you're just not that into politics, huh? Well, your boy, your boss is. I can tell you for sure your landlord is and your insurance company is. And every day they use their political power to keep your pay low. Raise your rent and deny you coverage. <laughs> Maybe it's time to get into politics, huh? Maybe so. I mean, maybe you should think about it. Maybe those things that are happening out there have a big effect on you and who you are and what you're able to do. And last but not least, a pronouncement of George Sand, the famous uh, French writer, a woman who had to take a man's name in order to get published. This is the key to protest movements. Humanity is outraged in me and with me. They must not dissimulate nor try to forget this indignation, which is one of the most passionate forms of love. Be angry. Discrimination. Well, let's see here. Safari. I want to talk about <clears throat> the recent uh well let's go let's go through and see what we're gonna talk about today. Big news, of course. Starbucks Union in Buffalo, New York. Workers at a Starbucks-owned company voted to unionize. More on that later, huh? Nobel laureate Maria Resla delivers her attack on fascism and what we should do about it. Two Latinas, Emma Tenayuca, and Luisa Moreno, who fought for workers' rights in the U.S. We'll hear from Francesca Fiorentini and what she's got to say. Um, Kellogg's, what's happening with the Kellogg strike? 1,400 workers there are, are uh, affected. A secretive world of union busting. We're going to sort of take a look at that. And, of course, we have our radio labor feature. So let's go with radio labor.
This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, December 10th, 2021. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, Labour's condemnation of China's actions in Hong Kong, Israel's attack on human rights groups in Palestine, the Labour Start report about union events and singing. You gotta stand up. You gotta stand up. You gotta stand up for your rights. This is Radio Labor. December 10th is International Human Rights Day. The day was established to commemorate when the United Nations adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights in 1948. To illustrate how the labor movement is fighting for human rights around the world, we have two stories. The first, on labor's condemnation of China's actions in Hong Kong. The second, on the banning of human rights groups in Palestine. As Beijing prepares for the 2022 Olympic Games, it is also continuing its clampdown on democratic rights in Hong Kong and oppressing its Muslim minority in Xinjiang. I talked to Sharon Burrow about Labour's view of the situation. Ms. Burrow is the General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITUC is the organization which represents national union centers such as the Ghana Trade Union Congress and the AFL-CIO in the United States at the world level. I asked Ms. Burrow first about a report the ITUC has produced called Rings of Repression. The report outlines repressive policies of the Chinese government. Well, these policies are about the the increasing oppression of China. We were very optimistic, uh, going back some five years or so, about China opening up, about them increasing um, democratic rights and freedoms for workers in workplaces, not democracy in the way that we understand it, and that's unfortunate, but at least the capacity for workers' committees, collective bargaining. But when you look at the forced labour of the weaker people, when you look at the cases at the ILO around corporations and Chinese corporate abuses and denial of rights, and when you actually look at the Hong Kong situation then you have to be worried about what does it say about China closing its mind again to the human rights and the labour rights that people are entitled to under the global rule of law. In July 2020, China imposed a new security law on Hong Kong. What has been the effect of this law on labour organisations in Hong Kong? Well, this is indeed the height of oppression because initially our leaders who were exercising their right to freedom of speech and freedom of assembly were indeed charged, incarcerated and now jailed. The leader of the Hong Kong CTU, whom we all respect, was jailed and indeed is still being held, and other leaders, particularly the president of the Hong Kong CTU, are still awaiting judgment, but from jail. So this is not a situation that is acceptable, but it's now even worse than that. You saw the disbandment of the teachers' union. Now we've seen the closing down of the CTU itself. 
And we were absolutely committed to trying to work through how we campaigned about our own members. But now you have 50 groups in Hong Kong have disappeared in just 11 months. And when, in fact, you actually see organisations like Amnesty going to close its doors at the end of the year, this tells you everything about a repressive regime that will, in fact, heed no argument, no disagreement, and that's unconscionable in today's world. People have rights. They have human rights, they have labour rights, have many other areas of legally determined rights through the UN and the ILO in terms of the world of work, and none of them are being respected in the case of Hong Kong, but clearly driven by China, to oppose any kind of rights and freedoms that people might expect to hold. What is the ITUC asking the Chinese government to do in Hong Kong? Well, in the case of the Olympics, we're asking them to answer our concerns and to keep everybody safe. And how they're going to do that is of giant concern to us. In the case of Hong Kong, we want them to stop using the oppressive tactics they have to close down people's freedom of voice, freedom of assembly, freedom of association in the case of our trade unions. The Israeli government has designated six human rights groups in Palestine as terrorist organizations. I talked to Stephen Cotton about the situation. Mr. Cotton is the General Secretary of the International Transport Workers Federation, the ITF, and currently the Chair of the Council of Global Unions. The Council consists of the nine global unions plus the International Trade Union Confederation. I asked Mr. Cotton about the Council's and the ITF's reaction to the Israeli action against Palestinian human rights groups. The ITF has been working with Palestinian uh, workers on the ground and many of our members of the Global Union Federations have, have got active workers and projects on the ground. And some of the developments over the, the, the last period of time has meant that a number of human rights groups have been declared as terrorist organisations. And together with Sharon Burroughs, the ITUC General Secretary, we're gravely concerned. Many of these groups have been doing vital work in protecting the rights of Palestinians and doing such fundamental things as asking for transparency and accountability, in particular in Israel's occupation of Palestine. Our concern is particularly the, the growing expansion in the occupied territories And we've been very vocal in the past, all of us, about asking the Israeli authorities to reverse those designations. I think for us, we're quite concerned. And the criticism we're applying to the Israeli government, this seems to be to counter it by calling a number of groups that are literally trying to help the Palestinians' recovery from the last episode. We hear that there's more than 4,000 new houses in what we would describe as the illegal settlements inside Palestine that has even been criticised by Israel's closest national governmental ally. So for us, Mark, it's a big, big problem. You know, right now, in the middle of the fact we've all been dealing with the COVID pandemic, we hope this doesn't continue to happen and the fact that the abuses of the expansion are going to be missed by the world's media and hence our concern and our determination highlight the challenge that is happening for both the Israeli and 
for the Palestinian people at the hands of the Israeli government. What happens to the groups which have been designated by Israel as terrorist organizations? Do they have to shut down their activities? We're working closely with ITUC to monitor what's happening on the ground. Um, we've got all party to some relief initiatives after the last round of actions by the Israeli government to make sure the, the very substance of humanity, food, water, health care could be in place. So at the moment we're monitoring to see what happens. Um, I haven't got the latest position about whether they've gone into hiding, but we will do everything in our power to make sure that they can not be uh, victimised as a result of this declaration. Israel's announcement about these groups came at about the same time as other action related to the settlements in the occupied territories. Tell us what's happening. Is this related somehow? We believe that there's no coincidence. As I said, we're very concerned about more and more new settlements in the occupied territories, which, as we know, was declared not to happen by the UN. So we are very worried that this action is part of a concerted effort to wreck the two-state solution, where we are supporting and hoping and hoping to build an international coalition behind Palestine and Israel coexisting with sovereign states. And as has been said many, many, many times, these settlements are a violation of international law. And instead of, instead of being expanded by 4,000 houses, they should be dismantled. And the land which belongs to Palestinians should be given back to Palestinians. You can find more information concerning Global Labour's views about Israeli-Palestinian relations at ituc-csi.org. Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top stories section included links to coverage of why the Philippines is a focus for the Global Labour Movement on World Human Rights Day. Global Union Federation Education International's push to free Iranian teachers, union activists, and a victory for trade unions as the United Nations refuses to recognize the military as the legitimate government of Myanmar. Our favorite top story of this week was the decision by the United States National Labor Relations Board to order a new vote at the Amazon facility in Alabama after it found that the corporation had engaged in illegal actions during a recent unionization vote. We also carried stories about a new ruling banning online scab activities in the Canadian province of Quebec, a draft European Union regulation that would make platform workers clearly employees in law, and the fallout from the victory Indonesian unions recently won when they turned back a neoliberal rewriting of the country's labor laws. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found stories about the threatened strike by 15,000 workers, almost all of them women, in Australian care homes and why their gender is an issue in the dispute. We also had reports on how South African unions are honoring the call for 16 days of activism and why the new labor relations regime in New Zealand will help move women workers there closer to pay equity. A small sample of the stories appearing on our health and safety page and Newswire this week includes calls from unions in several countries, including the United Kingdom and France, for action by governments to keep schools safe for students and staff as COVID infection numbers rise sharply. 
We also had a story about an ILO project that is improving industrial accident reporting in Moldova and several analyses of arbitration decisions on the legality of so-called jab or job policies that have been imposed by Canadian employers. Our photo of the week is of members of Global Union Federation Industrials Bangladesh Council's Women's Committee in a protest in Dhaka highlighting the oppression faced by women workers in that country. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Union Nation with you gotta stand up for your rights. And the bosses keep you down Know you're worth more than you make But there's no more jobs in town Want a union but there's risk Will the others stand as strong Know the bosses shake your fists And they tell you that you're wrong You gotta stand up You gotta stand up You gotta stand up For your rights Stand up, you gotta stand up, you gotta stand up for your rights. Well, you gotta sign this cards before anything gets done. The fight is long and it will be hard, but the race is worth the run. Well, back those bosses to the wall till there's no place left to hide. You gotta stand up. You gotta stand up, you gotta stand up for your rights. Taking all that you're gonna take and the bosses keep you down. You know you're worth more than you make, but there's no more jobs in town. You want a union, but there's risk, well the others stand as strong. You gotta stand up. And that's it. Labor news you can use. You can listen to our daily newscasts and features at radiolabor.net. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.
these old songs, these old stories, why tell them? What do they mean? When I went to high school, that's about as far as I got, reading my U.S. history textbook, well, I got the history of the ruling class. I got the history of the generals and the industrialists and the presidents who didn't get caught. How about you? I got the history of the people who owned the wealth of the country, but none of the history of the people that created it, you know? So when I went out to get my first job, I went out armed with somebody else's class background. They never gave me any tools to understand or to begin to control the condition of my labor. And that was deliberate, wasn't it? Huh? They didn't want me to know this. They didn't, that's why this stuff isn't taught in the history books. We're not supposed to know it. You understand that? No. If I wanted a true history of where I came from as a member of the working class, I had to go to my elders. Many of them, their best working years before pensions or social security, gave their whole lives to the mines, to the wheat harvest, to the logging camps, to the railroad, got nothing for it, just fetched up on the skids, living on short money, mostly drunk all the time. But they led those extraordinary lives that can never be lived again. And in the living of them, they gave me a history that is more profound, more beautiful, more powerful, more passionate, and ultimately more useful than the best damn history book I ever read. And I've said so often before, the long memory is the most radical idea in America. Sing a song I made up for one of those. I never met him. There's one flop hotel left in Spokane, Washington called the Clem Hotel. I'd walk through the parking lot there on my way to the park. An old man sitting up there in the window, grimy window, face pale like a mask of death, gazing down at the parking lot, perfectly motionless. I'd make a point of going through there every day and I'd wave at him. Finally, I got him so he'd at least lift his hand and wave a little bit. I went to the fellow at the desk in the hotel and I said, I want to meet that man. He said, he won't let you into his room. He's afraid of the young jack rollers. He's afraid of the young ones on the street. It'll knock you down for your little bit of pension money and for your little bit of VA, your food stamps. So he's got a spike ball handle behind the door and he won't let anybody come in there, but that he'll attack you. Well, I made this song for him anyway. I, I don't know if it's his whole story. It's not gonna be mine. I sure hope it's not gonna be yours. A poem, a poem I was gifted with. He is propped upright in some last lost corner of his life, waiting the only new thing left to see. He cultivates memories rich and brown like gardens. Hardly 80, his eyes already inward turning, he has banished himself to worlds of fine gray dust. Tonight, wrapped around a chair, he rolls another damp cigarette and sends those blue clouds on their familiar reach into the bag of weathered yarns. And like some deft and protoplasmic being, turns himself inside out to feed on the silence that is me.
Anyone lived in a pretty how town with up so floating many bells down. Spring, summer, autumn, winter, he sang his didn't, he danced his did. Women and men, both little and small, cared for anyone, not at all. They sold their isn't, they reaped their same. Sun, moon, stars, rain. Children guessed, but only a few. And down they forgot as up they grew, autumn, winter, spring, summer, that no one loved him more by more. When by now and tree by leaf, she laughed his joy, she cried his grief. Bird by snow and stir by still, anyone's any was all to her. Someone's married their everyone's, laughed their cryings and did their dance. Sleep, wake, hope, and then they said their nevers, they slept their dream. Stars, rain, sun, moon, and only the snow can begin to explain how children are apt to forget to remember. With up, so floating many bells down, one day anyone died, I guess, and no one stooped to kiss his face. Busy folk buried them side by side, little by little and was by was. All by all and deep by deep and more by more, they dream their sleep. No one and anyone, earth by April, wish by spirit, and if by yes. Women and men, both dong and ding, summer, autumn, winter, Spring reaped their sowing and went their cane. Sun, moon, stars, rain. That break, that break featured that last one, E.E. E. Cummings, famous American poet whose work is uh, 
distinguished by his unique, let's call it, uh, punctuation, capital letters, runoff sentences, a rhyme here and there, but every word uh, the right word, carefully, carefully scanned. E.E. Cummings. And then The Long Memory by Utah Phillips. I mean, what do we say? Um, They don't have, the kids nowadays don't have sisters coughing their lungs up or brothers whose growth is stunted by hunger and pain and work. And we need to teach the kids of nowadays those things. We need to teach them that if it wasn't for the movements, labor movements, they'd be shucking oysters when they were four years old, or they'd be standing out in the beet fields at six, or they'd be waking up in early morning to go out and pick cotton. A lot of them still are. A long memory. Before that, the Radio Labor song. Uh, Radio Labor. Singing about you've got to stand up for your rights. Stand up for your rights. Okay, this is the B. It's about, it's almost 11 going to take a break here and line up the rest of the show. So sit back and relax or get up and go get a beer, coffee, whatever you get. Thank you. 
Okay, we're back. Uh, Damsel in Distress Department. Peng Shuai, a Chinese tennis player, accused one of the uh, bigwigs, I suppose, in the uh, Communist Party system of raping her, sexually abusing her. And then all of a sudden she sort of disappeared. So let's hear what this says. This is from ABC. Mm. A woman's tennis association stood up to China over the plight of Peng Shuai. Here's why. For years, foreign businesses that wanted to reap the riches of the Chinese market have honored one tradition. Don't get political. To draw the ire of the Chinese Communist Party was to hurt your own profits. Everyone from the U.S. National Basketball Association to the Arsenal Football Club has offended the Chinese government and paid a heavy price. One sports organization is standing up to the superpower and refusing to back down. Women's Tennis Association Steve Simon is putting everything on the line to defend one of his players. It's not clear if authorities in Beijing would know what to do next. Peng Shua had transmitted sport in China and was a fully-fledged celebrity. Then she posted serious sexual assault allegations against a senior member of China's political elite. Even if it is like an egg hitting a rock or if I'm a moth drawn to the flame, inviting self-destruction, I will tell the truth about you. She said of her alleged abuser, Zhang Guali. Zhang has not responded to her allegations. Her post was scrubbed from China's censored internet within 20 minutes, and Peng swiftly disappeared. She is not the first Chinese celebrity to suddenly disappear after falling afoul of the government. In 2018, China's highest-paid female star, Fan Bingbing, vanished for months after she was accused of tax evasion. And ubiquitous celebrity technology chief Jack Ma has rarely been seen in public since he criticized Chinese regularly. So Steve Simon, the head of the Women's Tennis Association, contradiction right there, huh? Uh, is demanding that China prove that she's safe, that Peng Shuai is safe. A video of Peng dining with friends and her coach was then released by Chinese state media. But someone, something about it fell off for Simon. 
Last week, he suspended all tennis tournaments in China, including Hong Kong. So there's the story. Uh, the, the Me Too movement is all over. It's everywhere. Women's Tennis Association. All right, I'm going to talk about a couple of crusaders for workers' rights. Two Latinas who fought for workers' rights, and they are featured in our labor cards. Firebrand Matenayuka. Okay, here we go. What we're doing now is we're paying the piper, rendering the Caesar, etc. They asked me if I'd ever had sex with an own to Washington for the first time for interviews. They polygraphed me. They asked me if I'd ever had sex with anyone. same gender. Well, at that time, I hadn't. And so I replied, no. But it caused the needle to go up and down quite a bit.
Okay, we're back now. A little technical glitch there. When news outlets projected Joe Biden would win Arizona's 11 electoral voters, people were quick to thank Cindy McCain, the widow of the late U.S. Senator John McCain. And yet, the history of Latina organizers mobilizing their communities is even longer. American history education tends to describe the Latino population as a monolith. But they have played a key role in advancing the causes of fairer wages and humane working conditions. Let's see if we can get this on... Radio Labor World Report... That's radio labor. Okay. Okay, radio labor. Radio labor, we're concentrating now on a billionaire group. Labor history in two. This day in labor history, the year was 1958. That was the day 12 ultra-conservatives, including Robert Welch, Fred Koch, and Harry Lynn Bradley, gathered in Indianapolis to found the John Birch Society. These men saw cabals and communist conspiracies everywhere. They mobilized their vast financial resources to fuel Cold War paranoia. They opposed New Deal policies, the Civil Rights Movement, Lyndon Johnson's Great Society programs, and the Equal Rights Amendment. They funded Barry Goldwater's presidential bid in 1964, denounced Richard Nixon as a fake, and warned of his establishment of diplomatic ties with China. The Birchers also opposed water fluoridation, the Environmental Protection Agency, and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. They pressed for the U.S. to withdraw from the United Nations and viewed the U.S. war in Vietnam as a plot to bring communism to the United States. 
Welch, a candy manufacturer, even asserted that President Dwight David Eisenhower was simply a tool for the communists and an advocate of a one-world new order. More recently, many Birchers have also helped to found and fund the National Right to Work Committee, whose legal defense arm has pushed hard for anti-union legislation. Prominent members like the Koch brothers have funneled millions into the National Right to Work Committee in order to bust unions, kill the Employee Free Choice Act, and weaken the regulatory authority of the National Labor Relations Board. Their current headquarters are in Appleton, Wisconsin, hometown of Red Scare warrior Senator Joseph McCarthy. Well, I run down most hurriedly and joined the John Birch Society. Got me a secret membership card, started walking off down the road. Oh boy, I'm a real John Bircher now. Look out, you Labor coming. History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1918. That was the day streetcar workers in Kansas City walked off the job. It was the third strike since August 1917. Workers had previously struck for union recognition and joined the city general strike that spring. By summer, the city was so desperate for wartime labor, the transit company began hiring women. Though women faced initial opposition, by fall, the union demanded they receive equal pay for equal work. The company had been paying them $15 less a month than their male co-workers. The amalgamated filed charges with the National War Labor Board, demanding a general wage increase and equal wages for women. The board quickly ruled in the union's favor, but Kansas City Railway refused to abide by the decision. And on this day, 2,675 men and 127 women walked off the job demanding the company honor the board's ruling. Instead, the company hired scabs. In the rush to restore service, the company failed to properly train the scab drivers and a number of streetcar crashes reduced the transit company's fleet by more than 300 cars. According to Maureen Wiener-Greenwald, author of Women, War and Work, the company alleged in the press that the strike was an attack against the entire community. On the Missouri side, state militia guarded the strike breakers while U.S. Marshals guarded rail tracks on the Kansas side. By April 1919, a federal grand jury indicted union leaders for obstructing a vital industry during wartime, even though the war had been over for six months. By May, the strike was lost and the union busted. It would take another 20 years before Kansas City Transit would finally be organized. Like what you hear? Check out more at laborhistoryin2.com. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1915. That was the day the one millionth Model T rolled off the Ford assembly line in Highland Park, Michigan, near Detroit. Henry Ford started Model T production seven years earlier. For nearly 20 years, the Tin Lizzie served as the first affordable vehicle, opening up travel and leisure to a new middle class. Ford refashioned the packing house conveyor to develop the assembly line. Before production moved to the sprawling modern River Rouge complex, the Highland Park plant was considered the factory that changed the world. 
Ford's ambition to produce cars for the multitudes extended to his workers. As part of his campaign to beat back organizing drives by the industrial workers of the world, Ford instituted the $5 day at the Highland Park plant. For auto workers, buying a Model T even with the $5 day was not so easy. The $5 day actually amounted to $2.34 in wages and an additional $2.66 a day in profit sharing if Ford determined the worker was actually living right. Investigators from his sociological department visited workers in their homes. The routine intrusions into the personal lives of workers away from the job included determining spending and cleanliness habits, whether they drank or smoked, whether they were married or single, the state of the workers' marital relations, and family values. Workers who failed these home inspections were given six months to shape up or be fired. Ford ruled young single men, women, and blacks completely ineligible from the wage program. For a time, employee turnover plummeted and production increased. But wartime inflation and deteriorating working conditions all but killed the $5 day, which ended in 1921. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1941. That was the day 18 supporters of the Socialist Workers' Party were sentenced in the first Smith Act trial. Earlier that summer, 29 militants had been targeted and arrested for their leadership of the events in Minneapolis during the 1930s. They led the 1934 Teamsters strike that made Minneapolis a union town, successfully confronted the fascist silver shirts in 1938, and led a WPA strike the following year. By 1941, federal agents were raiding SWP offices in Minneapolis and St. Paul, seizing boxes of documents, books, pamphlets, and other materials. The prosecution alleged the 29 had conspired to advocate the violent overthrow of the federal government. The defendants insisted that advocating class struggle to achieve a peaceful transition to socialism was not the equivalent of a violent overthrow. They added the trial was a government witch hunt bent on suppressing their First Amendment rights. Six were released, another five were acquitted, but the remaining 18 were sentenced to between 12 and 16 months in jail. Dozens of CIO unions, including the UAW, the USWA, the URW, and the UE, all rallied to the defense of the convicted militants. The ACLU, central in the defense case, now mounted the appeals campaign. They failed to overturn the convictions, and the 18 surrendered to authorities two years later to begin serving their sentences. For historian Donna Haverty-Stack, the case showed how far the Roosevelt administration went to prosecute political dissent, even to the point of targeting the labor liberal left. The act would be repealed in 1952 and hundreds of convictions under the act would finally be reversed as unconstitutional by 1957. All right, that's Rick Smith in uh, labor history. Uh, the Roosevelt administration is often seen as a much more benign government than uh, others, and it probably was, but 
That shows how far Roosevelt was willing to go. As Rick Smith says, Roosevelt was willing to persecute the Union in, in just as bad as A. Mitchell Palmer had and anyone else had along the way. The Ford story, yeah. Ford was about making money, and he wanted um, a stable workforce. So he uh, put in the $5 day, but as they say, he took back part of it. <laughs> so the worker only got a couple bucks, and a couple of bucks, and two two sixty six was uh, for him to review how they were living. Nice guy, huh? Um, the billionaire backed attack group. The John Birch Society was much more um, visible when I was growing. Some friends of mine and I went to a John Birch meeting just to see what it was like when we were in high school, and it was. Uh, mostly rich old people, white people, rich old white people. Um, the well, you know, the well-heeled side of the conservative movement, and the idea of a conspiracy, right? Like the present conspiracy is the COVID. People, people believe that. There's a conspiracy going on, and that habit of accusing everybody of being part of a conspiracy, water fluoridation, for example. Uh, Ike Eisenhower. All this stuff came from the John Birch Society, and it's still present. And now, okay, here's the big news of the week. Starbucks workers in Buffalo. Starbucks is the world's largest coffee house chain and one of the most recognizable consumer brands in existence. In the U.S. alone, Starbucks has nearly 9,000 corporate-owned stores, and not a single one of them is unionized until now. After leading an organizing campaign during the COVID-19 pandemic and facing tireless efforts by the country, company to delay, deflate, and defeat union elections with the National Labor Relations Board. Workers at three Starbucks locations in Buffalo, New York, submitted their ballots this week. After vote counting took place on Thursday, one of the three Buffalo stores located on Elmwood Avenue became the first unionized company-owned store in the U.S., Another store located on Camp Road voted against unionizing. And unions and workers in the Genesee Street Store in Cheektawaga appear to have voted yes on unionizing, but challenges to several votes are still being reviewed. So, Starbucks. Starbucks has become... This, this Starbucks has become the first unionized Starbucks. 
and what the first Starbucks union means for ev- workers everywhere. This is on Vox Recode. On Thursday, workers at Starbucks store in Buffalo, New York, voted to form a union, making it the first of more than 8,000 corporate Starbucks locations in the U.S. to unionize. A second Buffalo location voted against union unionizing. A third had a majority vote for the union, but due to a number of challenges. Okay, that's what we got. Sometimes strikes and union organizing victories can be very contagious, said Johnny Callis, a Ph.D. candidate at Cornell's Industrial and Labor Relations School, which hosted a panel ahead of the vote tally on Thursday. We saw this in 2018 with teacher strikes. They began in West Virginia, then spread quickly to North Carolina, Arizona, Oklahoma, and other states. It's not clear how widespread union organizing is in the United States right now due to the limitations of existing data sets, says Callis, who is the project director for a tool that monitors union actions across the country. By his count, there have been 243 strikes through November this year, while the Bureau of Labor Statistics has only documented 13. The agency only collects data on strikes that include more than 1,000 people. The BLS count would not have included, for example, a strike of 700 nurses in Massachusetts earlier this year. Even so, the number of those larger strikes that the BLS does count has declined since the 1970s. Share of U.S. workers who are union members has been ticking down. We're all well aware of that. But the share of Americans who approve of unions is at its highest level since 1965. However, current legislation is striving to make hurdles, laws that increasingly favor employers over workers, more manageable. The PRO Act, which is currently in the Senate, would make it much easier for employers to unionize and would establish tougher penalties if employers legally try to thwart those efforts would also allow contractors and gig workers, an increasingly large share of the workplace, to organize alongside traditional employees. Even just at Starbucks, whose union was organized by the United Workers United Upscale New York, upstate New York, these votes are just the beginning. Three more stores in Buffalo city known for its higher level of unionization than other cities, have, fled, have filed petitions with the NLRB to unionize, as has a location in Mesa, Arizona. 
One more thing, Casey Moore, Starbucks barista. My dad is in the teachers' union, but I only ever associated unions with teachers and nurses and mainly construction workers in the building trades. Casey Moore, a Starbucks barista in Buffalo, said in the pre-vote briefing, When I first started, I was like, really, a union for baristas? The more I learned about it, the more I thought, why not? There's no reason that baristas shouldn't get the same benefits and quality of life that other workers do. As for our experience so far, he said, every single day was us learning how to, about how difficult it is to form a union in this country, and just the odds against us are incredibly insurmountable. But today is our vote count, and we are confident that we'll win the first unionized Starbucks for the United States, despite these odds. So, that's on Vox. It's called Recode. And then the, uh, the other prominent strike... Kellogg's has announced that it's going to hire temporary workers to replace striking union workers. We've been on strike since October 5th. President Joe Biden has even chimed in on the ongoing strike by Kellogg's workers, reiterating his unyielding support for unions and slamming the country for moving to replace workers on strike. In a statement, Biden said he was deeply troubled by reports of Kellogg's plans to permanently replace striking workers. Been on strike since October 5th, pushing back against a two-tier wage system that they say is unfair. Unit members overwhelmingly voted down a tentative agreement on Tuesday according to the Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers, and Grain Millers International Union, and have remained out on the picket line. Kellogg's presentation said that tentative agreement included 3% wage increases and enhanced benefits, alongside an accelerated move to move workers out of the lower-tier wage system. Kellogg said that the prolonged work stoppage has left us no choice but to hire permanent replacement employees in positions vacated by striking workers with about 1,400 workers set to be replaced. Biden said, I've long opposed permanent striker replacements and I strongly support legislation that would ban the practice. It undermines the critical role collective bargaining plays in providing workers a voice and the opportunity to improve their lives while contributing fully to their employer's success. Kellogg's spokesman Chris Boehner said, The tentative agreement was a fully negotiated deal between Kellogg and the union, saying that it contained no concessions or take away. So I guess if you stay the same, you're losing ground as inflation increases. 
Van Osborne, president of the local union branch in Omaha, Nebraska, told Insider that Biden's statement is exactly what we needed at this time. We have people battling cancer. It's going to really affect negatively our relationships with our spouses. That's the reality, and that's the gravity of the situation we're finding ourselves in for. But at the end of it, we still believe in what we're fighting for. They can permanently replace us, and they could try to start up our factories without it, without us. They can make as much as, we, as they want. If they're not selling it, then there's gonna, they're going to be in trouble. Okay, I want to talk about Maria Ressa. Maria Ressa is a Filipino-born American journalist and author, co-founder and CEO of Rap Rappler, first Filipino Nobel Prize laureate. She previously spent nearly two decades working as a lead investigative reporter in Southeast Asia for CNN. Okay, the uh, reason we're talking about her is she just recently won the Nobel Prize for Peace along with a Soviet, with a Russian uh, journalist. And uh, I want to play her speech, her Nobel Prize acceptance speech. And here's Amy Goodman. Away on the 50th anniversary of when Dr. Martin Luther King came to Oslo to accept the Nobel Peace Prize. I accept the Nobel Prize for Peace at a moment when 22 million Negroes of the United States are engaged in a creative battle to end the long night of racial injustice. I accept this award on behalf of a civil rights movement which is moving with determination and a majestic scorn for risk and danger to establish a reign of freedom and a rule of justice. That's Dr. Martin Luther King accepting the Nobel Peace Prize. Today, the 2021 Nobel Peace Prize laureates Filipina journalist Maria Ressa and Russian reporter Dmitry Muratov accepted their awards during a ceremony in Oslo for, quote, their efforts to safeguard freedom of expression, which is a precondition for democracy and lasting peace. The other 2021 laureates in medicine, physics, chemistry, literature, and economics all received their diplomas and medals in their home countries and gave their Nobel lectures online. This is Maria Ressa's Nobel Prize acceptance speech, which was just delivered in Oslo as we went to air. Your Majesties, Your Royal Highnesses, distinguished members of the Norwegian Nobel Committee, your excellencies, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. 
I stand before you a representative of every journalist around the world who is forced to sacrifice so much to hold the line, to stay true to our values and mission, to bring you the truth and hold power to account. I remember the brutal dismemberment of Jamal Khashoggi, the assassination of Daphne Caruana Galizia in Malta, My friend, Luz Meli Reyes in Venezuela, Roman Protasevich in Belarus, whose plane was literally hijacked so he could be arrested. Jimmy Lai languishing in a Hong Kong prison. Sunny Shue, who after getting out of more than seven years in jail, started another news group and now is forced to flee Myanmar. And in my own country, 23-year-old Frenchie May Kumpio, still in prison after nearly two years, and just 36 hours ago, the news that my former colleague, Jess Malabanan, was killed with a bullet to his head. There are so many to thank for keeping us safer and working. The Hold the Line Coalition of more than 80 global groups defending press freedom and the human rights groups that help us shine the light. There are costs for you as well. At least 63 lawyers, more lawyers have been killed than journalists in the Philippines. At least 63 compared to the 22 journalists murdered after President Rodrigo Duterte took office in 2016. Since then, Carapatan, a member of our Courage on Human Rights Coalition, has had 16 people killed and Senator Lila de Lima, because she demanded accountability, is serving her fifth year in jail. Or ABS-CBN, our largest broadcaster, a newsroom that I once led, which last year lost its franchise to operate. I helped create a startup, Rappler, turning 10 years old in January, we're getting old, our attempt to put together two sides of the same coin that shows everything wrong with our world today, the absence of law and democratic vision for the 21st century. That coin represents our information ecosystem, which determines everything else about our world. Journalists, that's one side, the old gatekeepers. The other is technology with its godlike power, the new gatekeepers. It has allowed the virus of lies to infect each of us, pitting us against each other, bringing out our fears, anger, hate, and setting the stage for the rise of authoritarians and dictators around the world. Our greatest need today is to transform that hate and violence. The toxic sludge that's coursing through our information ecosystem prioritized by American internet companies that make more money by spreading that hate and triggering the worst in us. Okay, well, that just means we have to work harder. You know, in order to be the good, we have to believe there is good in the world, right? An old t-shirt from Rappler from 2014. I've been a journalist for more than 35 years. 
I've worked in conflict zones and war zones in Asia, reported on hundreds of disasters. And while I've seen so much bad, I've also documented so much good when people who have nothing offer you what they have. Part of how we at Rappler have survived the last five years of government attacks is because of the kindness of strangers. And the reason they help despite the, da the danger is because they want to with little expectation of anything in return. This is the best of who we are, the part of our humanity that makes miracles happen. This is what we lose in a world of fear and violence. You've heard that the last time a working journalist was given this award was in 1936, awarded in 1935. He was supposed to come and get it in 1936. Karl von Osiecki never made it to Oslo because he languished in a Nazi concentration camp. So we're here, hopefully a little bit ahead. We are both here. By giving this to journalists today, thank you, the Nobel Committee is signaling a similar historical moment, another existential point for democracy. Dimitri and I are lucky because we can speak to you now, yay for court approvals, <laughs> but there are so many more journalists persecuted in the shadows with neither exposure nor support, and governments are doubling down with impunity. The accelerant is technology, when creative destruction takes new meaning. You've heard from David, we are standing on the rubble of the world that was, and we must have the foresight and courage to imagine what might happen if we don't act now, and instead, please, create the world as it should be, more compassionate, more equal, more sustainable. To do that, please ask yourself the same question we at Rappler had to confront five years ago. What are you willing to sacrifice for the truth? I'll tell you how I lived my way into the answer in three points. First, my context and how these attacks shaped me. Second, by the problem we all face, and finally, finding the solution, because we must. In less than two years, the Philippine government filed 10 arrest warrants against me. I've had to post bail 10 times just to do my job. Last year, I and a former colleague were convicted of cyber libel for a story we published eight years earlier at a time the law we allegedly violated didn't even exist. All told, the charges I face could send me to jail for about 100 years. But the more I was attacked for my journalism, the more resolute I became. I had firsthand evidence of abuse of power. What was meant to intimidate me and Rappler only strengthened us. At the core of journalism is a code of honor, and mine is layered on different worlds, from how I grew up, the golden rule, what's right and wrong, from college and the honor code I learned there, and my time as a reporter, and the code of standards and ethics I learned and helped write. Add to that the Filipino idea of utang na loob, literally, the debt from within, at, at its best is a system of paying it forward. 
truth and ethical honor intersected like an arrow into this moment where hate, lies, and divisiveness thrive. Okay, that was uh, Maria Ressa, the Nobel laureate, um, <clears throat> last year, 2020. A journalist talking about the challenges that journalism faces these days, especially those of uh, technology that makes profits by selling hate. How about this one? Here's an old one from the early days of hip-hop. Guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room, roaches in the back, junkies in the alley with the baseball bat. I tried to get away, but I couldn't get far. Cause a man with the touch truck repossessed my car. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Standing on the front stoop, hanging out the window, watching all the cars go by, roaring as the breezes blow. A crazy lady living in a bag, eating out of garbage pails, used to be a fag hag, such a dance to tango, skipped the life and dango, a zircon princess, seemed to lost her senses, down at the peep show, watching all the creeps, so she could tell her stories to the girls back home. She went to the city and got so, so, so diddy, she had to get a pimp, she couldn't make it on her own. Don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. My brother's doing fast on my mother's TV. Says she watches too much. It's just not healthy. All my children in the daytime, Dallas at night, can't even see the game or the Sugar Ray fight. The bill collectors, they ring my phone and scare my wife when I'm not home. Got a bum education, double-digit inflation. Can't take the train to the job. There's a strike at the station. Neon King Kong standing on my back. Can't stop to turn around. Broke my sacroiliac. A mid-range migraine cancer membrane. Sometimes I think I'm going insane. I swear I might hijack a plane. Don't push me. Call, I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. 
wanna go to school Cause the teacher's a jerk He must think I'm a fool And all the kids smoke reefer I think it'd be cheaper If I just got a job Learn to be a street sweeper I dance to the beat Shut for my feet Wear a shirt and tie And run with the creeps Cause it's all about money Ain't a damn thing funny You got to have a con In this land of milk and honey They pushed that girl In front of the train Took her to the doctor Sold her arm on the game Stabbed that man Right in his heart Gave him a transplant for a brand new start. I can't walk through the park cause it's crazy after dark. Keep my hand on my gun cause they got me on the run. I feel like an outlaw, broke my last glass jaw. Hear them say, you want some more living on a seesaw. Don't push me cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Say what? It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. A child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you'll go through. You'll grow in the ghetto, living second rate, and your eyes will sing a song of deep hate. The places you play and where you stay looks like one great big alleyway. You'll admire all the number book takers, thugs, pimps, and pushers, and the big money makers. Driving big cars, spending 20s and 10s, and you want to grow up to be just like them. <laughs> Smugglers, scramblers, Burglars, gamblers, pickpocket peddlers, even panhandlers. You say, I'm cool, I'm no fool, but then you wind up dropping out of high school. Now you're unemployed, all non-void, walking around like your pretty boy Floyd. Turn stick up, kid, but look what you done did. Got sent up for an eight-year bid. Now your manhood is took and you're a make tag. Spend the next two years as an undercover fag being used in the field. Served like hell to one day you was found hung dead in the cell. It was plain to see that your life was lost. You was cold and your body swung back and forth. But now your eyes sing the sad, sad song of how you live so fast and die so young. So don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. <laughs> Yo, Mel, you see that girl, man? Yeah, man. Yo, that sound like cowboy, man. Okay, there's Grandmaster Flash with uh, Working Class Life in the Ghetto. Grandmaster Flash, like a cry. This is the B, and it's about time for us to get out of here and leave you to Flat Black Plastic, who is in the house. And uh, let's see, I'm going to play a little something I haven't played for a while. Okay, 
Hari Maraji. Internacional, huh? Remember, there's, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Remember, one person gets a dollar they didn't work for. I mean, think about that. Because that's what's going on in your life. That's why money's short. Here's a song about injustice, and we'll go out with this one. Bad news, bad news came to me where I sleep. Turn, turn, turn again. Saying one of your friends is in trouble deep. Turn, turn to the rain and the wind. Tell me the trouble, tell me once to my ear. Turn, turn, turn again. Juliet prison and 99 years. Turn, turn to the rain. charge of how this came to be turn 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 again manslaughter in the highest of degrees turn turn to the rain and the wind i sat down and wrote the best words i could write turn 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 again Explaining to the judge I'd be there on Wednesday night Turn, turn to the rain and the wind Without a reply I left by the moon to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Let's watch movie on I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Let's Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah, L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, That's every Sunday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, five percent, five percent. Right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. Five p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh, uh, uh, let's watch full length. Oh, wait, let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you. See you next month.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers, Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Since 1971, the San Francisco Tenants Union has been fighting for the rights of tenants and for the preservation of affordable housing in San Francisco. Starting from the struggle for rent control in the 1970s, the Tenants Union has been the city's leading advocate for tenants. The Tenants Union is supported by membership and counseling donations, and this enables advocacy to be uncompromising and not influenced by pressures from government or other funders. It is a 501c4 since it campaigns for political candidates. So generally donations are not tax deductible, although large donations may qualify. Please visit WFTU.org for more information. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Black, black, plastic. Mutiny Radio. FM Saturday noon to two every Saturday. All music, all night, all day. The ACLU of California reminds us that we have the right to speak out. Both the California Constitution and the First Amendment to the United States Constitution protect our rights to free expression. There are many questions we face when we decide to organize and speak out. Do we need a permit? Are there limitations? Or when or when can we not demonstrate? What about civil disobedience? For all of this information, please check out aclunc.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Alex! Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternatives 
him to smoke it. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4AltaCalifornia.com. That's 4AltaCalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4AltaCalifornia.com. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be... Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live to the station. MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And 
Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. <laughs>